unhappiest in the saddle. <laughs> a fellow sportsman. I am an FBI agent. Great Scott. What do you say we cut the chit-chat a-hole? Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Come with me if you want to live. Hello, and welcome to Retro Ramble. I'm Charlie McGee. I'm George McGee. And this time we're going back to 1984 to take a nostalgic look back on the Karate Kid brought to us by who? John, uh, John Johnny G, John. John G. Alvidson. Uh, right, so... He's the director of Rocky. So that's, that's, that's his biggest hit and it's probably most important in this chat. Okay, so we're going to be going back to the 80s where there was still big hair, there were shoulder pads, but these are kids, they're not shoulder pads. Some amazing fashions. Yeah, um, so many references that we didn't get at the time that we probably got the second time around. Um, I had a lot of fun going back to this, and so I think it's probably worth pointing out that it's not only because this film features a a Halloween scene that this is going to be a kind of Halloween episode. A very tenuous link to Halloween. (laughs) Yeah, we are riding very much on the shirt tails of the highly successful Cobra Kai series, which if you haven't checked out, you should probably, because we're going to be cross-referencing what goes on in that with this original. But not until the end of the episode. We are going to be focusing, uh, George is going to be telling us a lot about the, uh, from the production side of things, what made this film a reality, uh, what was going on at the time in Hollywood, and what's happened since. But we will obviously, towards the end of the episode, tie that into everything that you're seeing in the recent Cobra Kai. Uh, Before we continue, most of you know what to expect, but for those first-time listeners, here's George with a general word on some housekeeping. Thank you, Charlie. So yes, Retro Ramble is a a light-hearted film podcast, so Charlie and I are brothers. We grew up with a love of films, and this podcast is all about us going back revisiting these films of our youth and looking at what made them so great at the time do they still hold up um have they been remade or how they have influenced other popular culture i say it's, it's are like they, are they are they big enough to be like turned into like a, a netflix franchise of their own for example for example uh, i say it's, it's a light-hearted look so we'll be you know having a bit of fun there might be some bad impressions there might be a little bit of light swearing this isn't a heavy in-depth critical appraisal there will be some trivia dotted throughout uh, so hopefully you might learn something who knows but sit back and enjoy so we are still recording this uh, COVID-friendly. So George and I are still. I'm kept. not friendly with COVID. Well, I mean, I mean, I've, we've dated a few times. No, I am not friendly with COVID either. But we have to uh, respect the fact that George and I are still apart. We are not allowed to be recording in the same room together, which is a shame. And we look forward to getting back to that as soon as possible. So please bear with us uh, because we're recording this over the interwebs, and there may be some delays. There may be some audio issues but there will be no turning down on the quality of delivery from my brother and i will there george no well we we aim to entertain yeah well i mean people are always laughing at us aren't they it's just not laughing with us with mostly mostly at so without further ado george and i are um jumping in our time machine going back to 1984 to revisit mostly the karate kid uh but we will be tailing off there will be some Cobra Kai spoilers towards the end of the episode. Um, so that's it. Uh, enjoy the show.
me. Did I tell you about the pool here? For Daniel LaRusso... Is this the only pool you guys got? The future seemed far from terrific. This place is a dump. You should go back to New Jersey. Hey, I know it's hard, but... We're not quitters, are we? Until Hi. he met the hey, right I girl. She's beautiful. I say she's beautiful. I think she's beautiful. <laughs> Is that your address? You got it. But that only angered the wrong guy. You gotta be nuts. And his troubles really began. Down the Then, in one man, he found a teacher. I promise, teach. Karate. And a friend. Fighting always last answer. How did you do that? The law. First time. Power. Whole body. Make a perfect picture. How do I know if my picture's the right one? If come from inside you, always right one. Lesson about the balance, not just karate, a lesson for all life. Fight, train. So I won't have to fight. Hey, karate kid, let's make a move. No points or no points. You're dead meat. I don't have much of a cheering section. You got me. And most of all, in his mind. Concentrate, focus, power. Remember, balance. No mercy. Columbia Pictures presents the Karate Kid. Hey, what kind of belt do you have? Canvas. You like? <laughs> J.C. Penny, G98. <laughs> Cobra Kai, Cobra Kai, Cobra Kai. No mercy, no surrender. So, George, how do we get this film from this director? This started with a fairly famous producer, Jerry Wein- Weintraub. Jerry Weintraub. Jerry, Jerry, Jerry Jerry Weintraub. He is a fairly famous uh, producer. So he was working at MGM, uh, United Arts at the time. Um, He would go on to later do the Oceans. He produced the Oceans 11 remake films. So he's done some work with Soderbergh. He'd done Nashville with Robert Altman in the 70s. But this was kind of one of the biggest things he did, the, the whole Karate Kid franchise. But he came across a newspaper story and, and, and basically bought the rights to a newspaper story, which was about a kid who kept being beat up by bullies uh, on his, in his neighborhood. Um, he, his mother was a single parent um, and he decided to go to karate school and he got a, a mentor, a bit like Mr. Miyagi, and, to come on his way, and he eventually became a black belt, I think at the age of nine. So it was inspired by a true life story, but it seems like it was also um, a bit of a coincidence, a, a chance of fate, because um, they hired a screenwriter, Robert Mark Kamen, who had a similar growing up. So he had been uh, bullied and he, he basically got jumped by a, a gang of bullies uh, in the 60s. He trained karate, the Okinawan uh, Goju Ryu, so the same one that Miyagi practices. Um, He had a teacher that spoke little English, and he was called Chojun Miyagi, or he trained with this. That's where the name comes from. That's where the name comes from. So the screenwriter had a very similar experience, but it was also inspired by another story of a kid being bullied and and trained in... Goddamn bullies! But from the very off, there there has to be. We have to talk about the the elephant in the room, or should I say, 
the Italian stallion in the room because it was clear from the very off that Jerry Weintraub wanted to replicate this, like a similar formula to Rocky. So the first thing he did was he hired the same director, uh, John Alvidson. They also hired the same music composer, Bill Conti. And Robert Market came and even he would joke about it with Stallone like years later down the line. Stallone was like, you, you fucking ripped off my movie. And he's like, what are you talking about? It's only got a, an Italian-American kid uh, with an old trainer against all odds. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't see any similarity. You didn't write it either, Sylvester, so calm down. That, that was, I think it was, it was quite obvious and they weren't really shying away. I think it even sort of had the sort of the nickname whilst they were making it the Rocky Kid as well. But Apparently, John Alverson was quite a methodical director. He was an editor before he was a director. He would videotape the rehearsals. Um, and he was, uh, there's like loads of other things that I'll go on sort of throughout and talk like little tips that he, he did sort of, he was quite, I say, methodical. At the time, the, all the cast and crew thought it was, the title was terrible and the film was, wasn't going to be a success. They thought it was, everyone thought it was just going to be a really small movie. Apart like Sunday morning, Sunday morning TV type, straight yeah, to TV ca- type cable, film. Yeah, cable TV yeah. sort of type thing. But uh, apparently um, John Alverton was the one that, he actually insisted, he kept telling off, he was like, stop messing around. This, you, you might think this isn't, you know, it's below your, below you all, but um, it's, this film's going to be a classic and, predicted uh, you know it's it's future there so getting into casting obviously ralph macchio tell us the- about ralph so because uh, am i right do i remember this correctly he was child star which also kind of probably explains his slight hiatus until the recent Cobra Kai. Was it, he had a big, he was quite a star at the time. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, so he was, um, he was probably the biggest, the biggest star in the film, even though, you know. I was, was he, was he Chachi? Uh, he wasn't Chachi, that was Scott Baio. Um, but no, he was in a film uh, which I, 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 neither of us has seen, but um, a Francis Ford uh, Coppola film called The Outsiders, and that stars loads of the Brat Pack. So I think it's got Estevez, Rob Lowe, Matt, Matt Dillon. Ch- Ch- I, I don't think Charles Probably Hughes, Nicholas, but it has Ca- Nicholas Cage, because it's his uncle who's making the yeah, film. And uh, The Cruiser as well. It's got Tom Cruise in an early role. So I've heard uh, about this film. It's going to probably be on one of our, what, what do we call it? Our retro discoveries? Re- revelations. Retro Ramble retro- Revelations. These are the old yeah. films that Charlie and I have never seen that people keep saying, what do you mean you haven't seen this film? Where do you do this film? Where do you do this film? Oh, we haven't seen it. Okay, okay, yeah. we'll so, watch so, it. So Charlie and I are actually cultivating a list called uh, Retro Ramble Revelations of films, old films, classics that we haven't seen. So yes, you know, into entirely new feature. So yes, we will add outsiders to that. So yes, Yes, and fittingly, Ralph Macchio had no martial arts experience, and and Mark, <laughs> Mark, show. And Mark Kamen was like, he's perfect. He doesn't know a thing that will work brilliantly for the film. The the one thing I couldn't get uh, I couldn't get over watching this is how skinny he is. He's yeah, and the fact is that, and uh, he, it sounds like he had a bit of a tough time because he looks so young. Because yes, he does look like a a sixteen year old, but he was actually twenty two at the time of filming. <laughs> 
that's what I, I read that as well. That he, I think he was 21 filming, 22 when it came out. Well, I mean... Uh, um, but he says that his family just has young Italian looks or something. But hats off to them. They, uh, in the original script, the, the character was called Danny Weber. But um, when Macho was cast, they changed it to LaRusso to reflect his Italian-American heritage. A second, I'm gonna catch up. I'm still just trying to imagine. So he looked like that when he was 22. I know it's amazing. <laughs> okay. It's amazing. I think it's some camera trickery going on because he looks bigger now. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a. I mean, I've taken uh, my research. There's a brilliant article uh, online that again we'll share a link in the notes from Sports Illustrated magazine, where they catch up with most of the casting crew or the, the casting crew that's still alive and there's some great uh, sound bites and apparently one one of the guys that's in the uh, that's made up of the Cobra Kai he said we all wondered if Ralph could do it because he looks so frail <laughs> and, <laughs> and even Elizabeth Shue goes yeah you know I uh, I teased him a little bit I was like I could kick your ass. <laughs> so, so yeah, bless him. I think he he really was an underdog even behind the scenes, you know, when the cameras yeah. were rolling. In terms of other casting, so the other important role was obviously of Mr. Miyagi. And apparently Jerry Weintraub wanted a really well, the, the, a really big Japanese name. And obviously, I will keep those, those names close to my chest. Um, well, could have, would have, should have. Uh, yes, I'll leave that for our alternative casting at the end. But the, the director, John Alverton, was really pushing for Pat Morita. And Pat Morita at the time, I didn't know this, was known as a, he was a comedian. He was a stand-up comedian. And he had a, a small recurring role in Happy Days. So Jerry Weintraub was dead against it. He was just like, I don't want that fucking stand-up guy. And he was quite, I think he was quite a, you know, a controversial stand-up comedian. He was quite raunchy and stuff like that. Yeah, dirty but, jokes. I could yeah, see him doing that. Yeah, I could but, see him he, doing- but he really went for it and completely changed his way of speaking. And again, I'll I'll put on the blog, but I'll also send it to you. Like, I, I didn't realize what his normal, he's actually got quite a, well, I wouldn't say high-pitched, but his voice is, you know, he goes really slow and gruff for my but he's actually a really vocal, really quick, like witted guy. So it's it's actually you know it's it's an amazing feat. It's, it's quite the performance, and he got an Oscar nomination. Yes, yeah, yeah, he did. What were you saying about Jerry Weintraub? So so he was uh, he was dead against the the casting of Pat Morita, but. Uh, John Alverton got test footage uh, of Pat Morita doing Miyagi and put it in front of uh, Jerry Weintraub and didn't tell him what was going on. And he was like, who is that? That That is Miyagi. And uh, he was like, well, that's Pat Morita. So he eventually managed to convince Jerry Weintraub and uh, he was um, apparently very apologetic to Pat Morita and said, if I hadn't cast you, it would have been the biggest mistake of, of my career. So um, I think that was all sorted out eventually. In terms of other casting, Elizabeth Shue, obviously probably out of all the people 
in this film, she's probably had the biggest career, arguably, I'd say. Well, not arguably. Yeah, say? I mean, uh, she. For going back, uh, I think I should, full disclosure, I think I probably had a little bit of a crush on Miss Hsu when she was younger. But yeah, she was in this. She was in uh, Adventures in Babysitting, which was a very big favourite film of uh, Sophia and I, our sister. We used to watch that together. Uh, that even that even has a reference to Thor in it. That was the first it's, time I heard of it's Thor. On, uh, it's uh, on Disney+. Plus. They've, they've even remade it on Disney+. Plus. Uh, why? Why? Uh, anyway, uh, cocktail. Yes, um, I, I think she was my first movie screen crush as well. There we were just talking about before. It's all about the side boob. And then more recently, um, well, the two series that I am fl- flicking between between Amazon and Netflix are um, Cobra Kai and The Boys. And she's in the first and second uh, series of um, The Boys. Much older, or as she yeah, is today. No, she, she's still, still got it. Still got it. She's still brilliant in the boys because isn't she? She she's the like evil head of corporation, or she's like well, not the the head head, but she's the she's, she's running the, the 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 seven. Yeah, yeah. She's yeah. she's she's the PR person in charge, uh, and she's great. And it shows that she's still got the chops. And yeah, she's made, she had a great career. But yeah, you're absolutely right. I think she definitely had. She's had the most prolific career. Yeah, I was going to say that's that's the term prolific. I mean, I remember. The there was there was plenty of films that you and I saw uh, in the late nineties. Uh, one that I re- revisited recently, the, the Saint remake with Val Kilmer and her, and she's yeah. just lovely in that. Um, yeah. but also, a bit of a dud for Paul Verhoeven, but that uh, Invisible Man movie, Hollow, Hollow Man with Kevin Bacon, she's in oh, that. She, as well. she's the uh, she, she's the one who tells him not to do it. You're gonna yeah. go crazy. You're gonna kill everyone. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's good. Good cast. It's her, Josh Brolin, Kevin Bacon. I like that film. No, I, I really, I really enjoy that. I like that side of Kevin Bacon. I like seeing... Crazy Kevin most, Bacon. Well, most of the time, Kevin Bacon's an annoying kind of guy in films rather than being the outright bad guy. And he is in a few films, but his best roles are when he's being the outright bad guy. So it's like A Few Good Men and what's the other one where they're beating up little kids? I can't remember at school. Oh, is that uh, Sleepers? Yeah, so there's Sleepers, there's A Few Good Men and there's The Invisible Man. To me, those are Kevin Bacon's best roles. Because hollow, it's when he's being, hollow Man, Charlie. Hollow. Sorry, The Hollow Man. When he's being a bad guy. You know, yeah. it's been a while. They should remake that film. Um, Sorry. For, for, a, for a modern Kevin, liberated audience. So that was the Kevin Bacon, uh, six moves from Kevin yeah. Bacon. Back to the, and we're back in the episode. Ba- back in the room. So, um, yeah, that's that's it in terms of the, the casting. But in terms of obviously being a, a martial arts film, there had to be training so the uh, director John Alveson made all the guys in Cobra Kai Daniel and John Creasy all trained separately to build that alienation that animosity so there was that little bit of tension and competitiveness on on set as well so they weren't allowed to spend any time together no. and make any make any bonds that's what uh, so um they were all trained by uh, Pat Johnson, who crops up as uh, the main referee, the guy with the tash at the end of the film. He was a martial arts chor- choreographer. He was an actor, so he cropped up. He had a, a tiny like role in Enter the Dragon. And he'd also uh, trained, uh, and he was a close sort of associate of none other than Chuck Norris as well. Wow. So apparently he's a complete like badass, but he's, he's one of the like, people that's like a lovely guy but a ter- like an awful trainer. Like he um, apparently um, 
the guy who plays uh, John Creasy, I think it's Martin Cove, said he was so like, he took so much from Pat Johnson, just like the way he stood with his hands. And the, you are nothing! Oh, yeah, and, you are and all, nothing! And all the like, give me, you know, give me 50 on your, on your knuckles, sort of t- stuff like that. Yeah, failure is not an option. Mer- no mercy. Finish him! What are you waiting for? Bag. Sweep the leg. So many quotable lines just from Crease. Yeah, he's... Um, so yeah, apparently in terms of the training, they William Zabka, who plays Johnny, was saying they trained like five days a week, four hours a day before they shot. So I think they trained for like, yeah, like a month before the shot. And then and every it day shows, after that. It shows with the Cobra Kai, at least. They or def- definitely with Johnny. You can see like... Not just him, there's two. There's, there's Johnny and there's the other, the two friends who get really, really excited. Kill him, Johnny. Get him, Dean. Yeah. You know, there's well, the guy, go on, Johnny, finish him. Well, speaking you know, the, of the Cobra Kai, they, they, all, they all appear quite similar. And apparently that's a directorial uh, intent by John Alwardson that he wanted a bit of a... Um, Aryan look that they all had to be blonde haired, blue eyed, you know, in complete contrast with the Italian American da- Daniel LaRusso. He wanted. Sorry, uh, you're referring to the, the final solution, the, perf- the perfect race. Yeah, yeah he, that, that, that Nazi thing passed me by when I watched this as a kid. I didn't. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. You just take it for granted and you're like, hang on, they, they're all very much white privileged kids. Yeah, because there's that whole thing in the country club at the end. But yeah, there's, there's now, obviously, with the new dimension of. Of, of seeing them today, you know, and seeing what, what's become of Johnny. There's, there's, there's this very sort of thing, like you have a very weird, and it came up in How I Met Your Mother, which I'm sure we'll confirm at some point, but the positioning of Johnny is that we've all seen guys like him when we've been at school. You know, they've got everything going for them and they're hard as nails and they'll probably beat you up. You know, so yeah. we've all come across somebody like that. So he's totally relatable. And I think that's why Macho was such a good, description because he looks so frail i think it's the best him well, that's in that article he looks so frail and johnny looks so much like i mean you wouldn't he, you'd imagine johnny to be more of a jock than a bully whereas there are other people on cobra kai who are classic bullies who yeah. look a bit stupid who've got stuff going on who are just thugs whereas johnny seems smarter so that's why i don't know i, I like the i like his arc in the film and i like where we are today with cobra kai i think I think it actually is great that we're having that conversation of there being two sides. But yeah, the rest of them are kind of brutish. And but this whole Aryan thing obviously passed me by. But uh, so they, do they dye the hair or do they just choose? Well, yeah, no, it's get, one me nothing, get me nothing but blondes. So, so they um, apparently they cast like, um, there was a few people in the cast and uh, that were sons or like daughters of famous actors. And I think, again, it was a Jerry Weintraub thing. But one of the guys in the Cobra Kai that has like quite obviously dyed hair, peroxide hair is, I think it's Chad McQueen. So Steve McQueen's son. And right. I think he's the one that threatens Daniel in the dressing room. But yeah, apparently he he had to dye his hair to, to fit in with with the rest of the sort of blonde-haired, blue-eyed boys. Um, they're impressive. Because, I mean, sorry to cut, I cut into you there, but you were you were no, talking about their training. And it's it's really impressive. Like, I mean, watching it again today, Johnny's moves and his roundhouses and his... And his I mean, obviously, these were young guys. Um, but him and then there's two other guys on the team. And when you see them in the competition and in the, they're all really, they're really, I know they're just young kids. And, and as you were saying, they're training how much? They were training. I think they train, they trained solidly for like a month beforehand. And then they were training every day whilst filming as well. And they're young and they're flexible, but it was, it's impressive when you see them doing their moves and stuff. Uh, oh, definitely. You know, in, what, in I the suppose it's the, choreogra- it's the choreography. The choreography is top notch. <laughs> 
yeah, I, th- I think the, the choreography towards the end was was pretty good, but it's it's a funny one. I think that this film is probably most fondly remembered and what makes the film so successful is that bond between Miyagi and and Daniel rather than learning rather than whereas at the same time and again in all honesty I I don't remember this being a film that you and I rushed back to repeatedly because there was obviously more violent delights we had we had JCVD we had we had him waiting like this he was kicking the fucking wall. No, if we, no, we, if we wanted a training montage, we went to JCVD films. Yeah, and you know, I think I think you're absolutely right. And looking back at this film, you can see that the most, you know, the impressive choreographed stuff is all by the badly trained Cobra Kai, where it's for violence. Yeah. It's about beating the opponent. And, and the real stuff that you forget, that you hold on to, is this relationship. It's the fact that... And it's the fact that he puts him through, that he's got to earn his muscles, that he's got to work hard, and that it's about defense. And then there's this whole other dynamic to Mr. Miyagi's character when you learn about that he was a soldier. Then you learn about his family. You know, there's, it's, it is very, it's about their relationship. And then, yeah, it's bookended by some, I, I just, I really enjoyed that fight on the beach at the start. I think Johnny looks lit. He, he is, he's jumping and flexing and he's having fun. He's showing off. You know, he's got but, the stance um, and everything. He's doing that. He's doing some some sick moves. He's just such a pretty white boy. Pretty hairy. Adolf would be proud. <laughs> but um, you know, we're, we're we're talking about the the Cobra Kai students, but we need to talk about John Creasy because for me, he's he's one of my uh, guilty pleasures. I love Creasy. He's so evil. He's so hammy. I mean, it's um, I say Martin Cove who who plays pretty much this, the exact. I mean, I'm sure there's an internet because he's in Rambo uh, First Blood Part two as well and obviously in this there's a picture on the wall where he's a vietnam vet so yeah. i think people have joined the dots and there's some fan fiction that they're the same character that but would I, be amazing but i love him should have, should, have, should have made that movie <laughs> i love him i love him in this um just everything he does just his, his performance as you say like the whole he's you know he says oh you know i took a lot from this uh this choreographer, the martial arts trainer, this Pat, what's his name? Um, Pat Johnson. Yeah, Johnson with his mustache. Um, so he took a lot from him in terms of his attitude, but he's he brings something to it by himself. He is uh, just a brilliant, brilliant person to have. Was that because he's young? You know, he's not. He's, yeah. not, he's, he's not that far away from. And he's like. I don't know. He's, he's, he inhibits so many things that you'd imagine in a bad sort of sensei, but uh, he's impressive. You know, he's not in it enough, you could argue. Yeah. Well, no, that's it. And I think uh, that's why, you know, usually um, when you and I are doing these films, we, we play the game of suspicious spin-offs. What, what, what part of the film would we like what? to be spun, spun off? And ironically, yeah, for this, after watching Cry, I'd be like, I want to see more of Creasy. I want to see more of like the Cobra Kai. And it's like, oh, well. It's funny you say, it's funny you say that because I like to see more of Johnny. You know, I just, I really like him. And yeah, so I just want to see more of him, more of Creasy. We don't have to be that patient, George. <laughs> but he's um, great no he's great he's got the uh, I think he's even described because I had to look him up I don't know if you did as well because I was like why haven't I seen uh, is it Cove sorry was it Martin Cove Ma- Martin Cove I think 
I was like, why haven't I seen him in more films? And then I checked out his IMDb and like he'd had a career before this, lots of big collars and big suits in 70s. And he'd been in quite a few roles before this. I mean, this is obviously the cult classic that everyone remembers him for, but he'd had a well-established career before this film. But this is the thing that he was, will be remembered for. And um, I just love one of the descriptions, I think they describe him as a, a deep, a deep-setted eyes, typically bad guy. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> well, no, not to be typecast. <laughs> No, there's a, uh, actually, I need to revisit it. There's a great book done by a guy called Tai Singh uh, called uh, Born to be Bad, where he interviews all the 80s bad guys. And uh, he interviews uh, Martin Cove and they talk about this uh, and Rambo and stuff like that. So I'll have to go back and revisit that. But yeah, I know I was watching him. He was, he, um, there's a video on him on, it obviously, he cropped up on some podcast. I think it was um, the IGN podcast. He, he cropped up on that, obviously, to promote Cobra Kai recently. And he was telling stories about working with Pat Morita and working with Pat Johnson. And yeah, he's obviously got a lot of love for this film, even though he said, I remember reading, he's like he had people like <laughs> hanging out their cars, screaming at him, no mercy. <laughs> Oh no, he says that no, because if you know, I because I when I looked into his IMDb page, so his son has started uh, has started some business that uses part of like a name or something. And the oh, it's a vaping it, company, I think. Isn't yeah, his son, his son has a vaping company that I think is called um, Sweep the Leg or something. <laughs> or, or no, no, it has it has a flavor called Sweep the Leg, <laughs> and there's also a brewery from where he's from that has a beer that that's out that's called sweep the legs so yeah. yeah he's um and uh yeah i think uh, obviously we'll talk about this more towards the end but he we're only covering the the first uh cobra kai but obviously he's talking about he pops up in the second season so i mean they it's, it's very much something that's introduced in the second series but uh he's still got it you know he's, he's yeah. still got it and i do like the idea of there being this tie of this badass from from nam but yeah, we, you know, we were talking about uh, Daniel's training and obviously this is one of the most iconic bits of the film. You know, everyone, even people who probably haven't even seen Karate Kid can quote wax on, wax off. But it's the crux. It's the mm-hmm. crux thing. I mean, it's, it's the crux of this film. It's not about, as you say, what we're talking about before. Yeah, it's not. It's not, not about, about the fighting. It's about the learning. It's about the discipline. It's about doing what you're told repeatedly again and again and then learning how to use it i mean but that's that that's one way of looking at it but i have a a conspiracy theory that uh, miyagi actually has a number of properties and a, a number of other children <laughs> it's like a child slave laboring that he's got all these kids that he's saying oh yeah i will train you if you just paint You're this house and renovate this house and he's you know a bit like ben stiller from happy gilmore he's going he's on the phone being going yeah i've got this property i'm just getting it done up right now yeah, <laughs> it'll be done by the finished. end of the week. <laughs> the realtors, the realtors come around at six pm. Get a pretty. Uh, my hands hurt. <laughs> <laughs> you must keep waxing. Yeah, it's like, and I've got these cars for sale as well. Um, I think so that's, that's highly, my, highly probable. Yeah, that's my other suspicious spin-off is Miyagi, the the child labourer con man. There's a lot going on in this film. It's obviously about bullying. It's about um, moving to a new town. Is it? Uh, but it's also it's about, about it's uh, women in the work for, work, women in the workforce. As far as mums, women are going into work and are actually and, earning and, are and there's some talk about families. Com- com- computers as well. 
isn't there? There's some, yeah. there's some very vague, but mum's good on computers. But you know, it's, it's also about, and again, I think this probably uh, passed me by first when I watched it as a kid, the whole class thing of Johnny and Ali, yeah. and Ali's yuppie parents that turn up in their, I've got their a paragraph. I've got a paragraph. Actually, George, if I'm just honest with you, because I did enjoy most of this film. And when I say enjoy, I think we talked about this on another episode. It's when I say enjoy a film, it's when I'm not making a lot of notes. And I didn't, I just sat back and I enjoyed this film, but I've got like, I've just got exclamation marks. And he's, sorry, is it Ali? Is it Ali, Ali or Abby? Ali. Uh, I would just say Ali's parents, it's like, the parents are just amazing. Just, I want to say there's a sort of dicky, what's he called? He was in The Man with the Iron Mask. He was, um, what's he called? Famous British actor, Richard. Chamberlain. Uh, there's a bit of a Richard Chamberlain going on with their dad. Do you not yeah. think? And oh, yeah. Just the, the, yupp, the yupp, not even yuppies. These guys are the generation that, that gave us the yuppies. These yeah, are the older, the, this is the country club. Uh, sorry, I can't say that. This is the country club crowd. And um, you were you getting some Caddyshack and some trading places. This was going on in the 80s. It was. Yeah. No, but I love that part when Daniel goes up, you know, to meet Ali and and bumps into the way and gets covered in spaghetti, the whole of the country club all turns around and laughs. It's like, ha ha, laugh at the poor child. <laughs> laugh at the poor Italian. Look at that immigrant covered in bolognese. <laughs> I was just like, that's a bit extreme, the whole country club laughing Yeah, at. I thought it was so nasty, so, so nasty. But anyway. Have we talked about the, we've touched on the drunk Miyagi. Have we talked about the drunk Miyagi? No, I mean, I think this is what earned him the Oscar nomination. Uh, yeah, I think this this is the really powerful piece because it starts off that he's completely reliable and completely and he's talking about discipline. He's telling Daniel what to do, but then they start making these inroads into each other's lives. In the beginning, it's Miyagi where he fixes the bike and he fixes the thing, and it's Miyagi who makes the offer about the karate. And then, as we move into the second act of the film, Daniel starts to learn about Miyagi, and we hear about this amazing. I mean, I say amazing, but I mean, this this was a real thing, the, this uh, regiment. I say, again, and at it, the time, that just went completely over my head. Obviously, we were, we were too, I mean, I was, I, I watched this on video after it came out of the cinema. Yeah. I was seven or eight when this film came out. So, <laughs> I mean, I was five when it came out in the States, but yeah, I was, I was very young. So I was very much target. But yeah, you, you kind of, because I was like, why, why did he get, the nomination was it really for the whole wax on wax off then when you watch the film again you're like okay yeah yeah he and when you know what he's like in real life you're like this was a performance this was mm-hmm. a this was a clear-cut performance but uh yeah a long scene um a weird scene if you look at it from today's angle you've got a teenage boy going to visit his sensei and the sensei's drunk yeah and he's having an episode about his lost family it's quite quite heavy tones and yeah Luckily for us, they went completely over our heads, which probably says a lot about parents probably need to calm down. You know, when they say that this wouldn't be accepted today, it just went over our heads back then. Yeah. So you probably can put these sort of things in a film and get away with it. Again, it ties in with with Cobra Kai of your sort of like the fact that Johnny's a a drunk. He keeps disappointing Miguel and keeps like being like, like almost like letting him down. But then they play on that sort of whole thing of obviously, yeah, Miyagi. It's a it's a one blip in his amazing demeanor and and but it makes him human. Exactly, it makes it makes him human. And as you say, it, it sort of connects the the two of them. He is that father figure that that Daniel doesn't have. But obviously, we need to. 
rush to the uh, climatic finale. Oh, sorry. What, one one other question I was going to ask, oh, just again on my sort of Miyagi bashing. You know, there's that scene where with the birthday cake, did Mr. Miyagi make Daniel make his own cake? That's that's the only question I have. You bake for your own birthday. I think I made a note of this because it's. A, I was like... <laughs> This has got to be one of the most... I, I was like asking myself, is this that Mr. Miyagi, out of the kindness of his own heart, has prepared, prepared a cake? And this is supplemental to what's going on for Daniel's birthday. Because if not, it's the most depressing birthday party you've <laughs> ever seen. It's just him. I mean, is his mum there? No, it's no. no that, and that, it's that's just him. the two. That's it's it. just the two of them. Kind of weird. Miyaki, Miyaki's wearing a hat. He's made an effort. <laughs> He's got his tiny hat on. He's got his tiny little hat on. And I was like, I was right when I was going. This is obviously not what I thought when I was younger. This was recently uh, on the revisit. I was like, what a depressing birthday party. I like to think Daniel had another birthday party with Freddie, the guy who who yeah, yeah. him. No, no, I, I just his like mum and some other neighbours. No, I just like the thought of like Miyagi, but but Mr. Miyagi, what what has baking a cake got to do with my training? Uh, you will see, you will see later on, Daniel son. Uh, and then he's like, uh, ha, ha, surprise! <laughs> I made this cake. It's got literally, it's terrible. I'm not going to eat this. Um, um, I think can we just while we're talking about that, we should talk a little bit about um, Daniel's character. I think uh, just because. Well, the the, the fact know. that it, he brings on a lot of it himself, and yeah, he's a bit of a wide boy. I think I think of, it has bit of a to... dick. Yeah, is, is that I, the, I the think whole... that's going. I think I think that's the... going a bit too far, George. You need to calm down. You need to get. You need to climb down off your dick high horse. I think I think you're going a bit too far. Sorry, maybe it's just a bit of the uh, New Jersey swagger. Uh, yeah, but I think it's e- that. I think I think it would, they took too much of the case. Like, yeah, but you're from Jersey, it's, and you're in you know you're in California. You got to you got to put these guys in their place, sort of thing. And you're Italian as well, so you've got all of that ego going on. You know, you've got this mantra to live up to here, and this this New Jersey thing over here, and this Italian over here, and this duck, you know, out of water sort of thing going on. Being moved to uh, California, but yeah, he great. I think some of it he great, but. I think we are getting into the realms of, we're going to be talking about Cobra Kai in a minute, but in, in Cobra Kai, it's, it's almost like he has embraced it, turned it into a character. It's like, this is the guy I've always been. And, but yeah, looking back at it, uh, how do I summarize? I think I've got, he seems much more relatable in the 30, the 30 years later Cobra Kai, whereas in this film, he's like, yeah, I can see him getting beaten up. He leaves yeah. a bit wide. He, he sprays Johnny with a hose. He did kind of ask for it a couple of times. Did smack yeah. Johnny in the mouth. <laughs> and I think that's probably what led to all of the conspiracy theories about Johnny being the hero. Yeah. <laughs> Johnny the being the real, karate, the, the real karate kid. Yeah, um, the, un, the, un, the unsung hero. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get on to that. But uh, no, I think... I don't know. Sorry, think, where are we? I keep jumping 30 years. I'm, I'm obsessed with Cobra Kai at the moment. I'm very sorry. Um, but the reason for that is because of my love of this franchise. And when I say this franchise, I haven't seen... I haven't seen any of the others. No, I can remember the third film. I can't remember the second film. The, um, all, all I remember about the third film is about them trying to save bonsai trees. And I think even when you and I watched it on video, you, you and I like looked at each other. Turn it off. Put this, it on JCVD. This is really bad. Really bad. Yeah, put on, put on Bloodsport. Put on Kickboxer. I just remember really big Parker jackets and also that Sensei... Uh, I looked it up. He's not the actor I hoped he was going to be. 
Uh, it's actually some completely unknown guy. The guy who trains him in the third film. I just remember Daniel making, you know, Reese telling him to make his knuckles bleed. Daniel hurting himself and having to use this special stuff from Miyagi, the special solution. Mm. Um, I remember this actor, you know, the bad guy from the With third. the ponytail. I remembered, him, I remembered him being a complete, a much bigger actor. So I know what he's been in that you've definitely seen because you and I joked about how bad it was, was the fourth Alien film. Oh, oh, Michael What's Winslow, the guy that's in The Crow as well. Yes, and yes. He's the, yes. So the he's... Sheriff of Nottingham's cousin, was he, you know, hello? Yes, in Prince, yes, exactly him. So yeah. all, typically a bad guy in 24, you think he's a good guy, but Kel Surprise, he's actually a bad guy. Um, Who would have thought? No, <laughs> I, I remembered him being in The Karate Kid Theory and I was very upset the other day when I found <laughs> out that he wasn't in it. Like, I'm go sure back. I'm sure there's a term for that. It's like not wish fulfillment, but it's sort of like select, like memory fulfillment. It is. No, it's, no, it's, no, it's, it's selective memory. It's like I prefer to believe, and I, I'm not accepting the facts, by the way. I prefer to believe that it was him in Chronicles. I know, isn't it, isn't it called the, Man, the Mandela effect? It's like, it's a fact that when you remember something differently and it's like a shared collective thing, of, oh yeah, that definitely happened. Never happened. Um, <laughs> but um, anyway, the, fina- the finale. The so finale. The- so we've karate got the tournament. Tournament. and for a we're tournament gonna... we need a bit of a montage don't we charlie we're gonna need a montage we're gonna need some music have we got any rocky sounding music have we got anybody on set who worked on the rocky yeah i i did all the music for rocky <laughs> okay make us exactly the same type of music So yes, you've got 80s power ballad classic, You're the Best by Joe Esposito. You're um, the best, the best. <laughs> yeah, um, which ironically enough was actually a song that was written for Rocky Three, but was turned down understandably for Eye of the Tiger. So there's actually a line in, in the song where it's history repeats itself, try and you'll succeed, um, which obviously makes no sense in Karate Kid because there's not history repeating itself, but in a Rocky film where he loses at the start and goes to fight Club Lang again, that makes sense. So yes, it was a rejected song from Rocky Three was used in this Rocky knockoff. But this, that isn't the song, the song that made me think of Rocky. The song that took me back to Rocky immediately, which is when the credits roll. It's the moment of truth. It literally could be the eye of the tiger. It's as many words as like eye of the tiger. Moment of it's the moment of truth, and it's like key for key, beat for beat. It's it's that is the that seems like when you said to me one of these songs was supposed to be for a Rocky film, I was like, it's the oh, moment right. of truth. It's got to be that. But I think it's by the same artist, but. It's so trying to be Eye of the Tiger. And I made this note before I knew of this connection. We 
we haven't talked about the pan pipes featuring in the more dramatic parts, but um, but there you go. I, I like the. I like what's your pun- take on the tournament then? So because um, this was a proper full-on tournament. Obviously, I think there's some dramatic license in the fact that nobody's wearing any pads. I don't think that's how karate's done. I think they have to wear protective pads. And- and uh, the fact that um, everyone has their emblem and names up on the wall. I thought, considering Daniel turns up very late in the day and they've, they've already got the Miyagi, you know, the symbol on, on, the, on, the, on the, uh, the leaderboard. I didn't notice that. I, was I didn't like, notice that. Um, but anyway, the, so yeah, the finale for, you know, it's a big karate championship. I think they, they needed at least like 500 to 1,000 extras. So what they did, which is quite clever, they actually staged a real karate tournament whilst they were filming. And well, what, with real, r- real awards and points. Yeah, yeah. So, so, they, so, so, they, so they offered like real mar- martial artists to come in. And what John Alvidson did was he hid loads of cameras in the bleachers to capture everything that was... All the reactions, yeah. So it does the, the feel re- really sort of real. And I don't know if that's something that he's picked up from from Rocky, but it feels real. And apparently 200 people, part, uh, like real martial artists, participated in this event. Yeah, no, I love it. I mean, in terms of it, it's got that sort of whole 80s vibe of it's got the song, it's got the montage. You've got, you finally got some good, you know, as we were talking about the, the choreography. Good fighting. You've got the expositional announcer. What's that? Daniel LaRusso is injured. And if he doesn't come back in 15 minutes, he'll have to forfeit the fight. He's What's just that? explaining it to the crowd, George. Come on, come on, Daniel. Daniel. Daniel Russo's gonna fight. He's gonna fight. He's gonna, He's gonna fight. fight. But I, I thoroughly enjoyed that fight. I think it's good. I think, I think it's probably was Daniel injured or was he just not very good? You know, <laughs> was Ralph Macchio actually injured? Once again, Johnny impresses. Um, I don't know, just beautiful, beautiful kicks and everything. It's yeah. like really well done. And uh, obviously one of the most iconic moments in the film and something that we all tried as kids, the crane kick. Which doesn't really make any sense as it's, a move. in Even, even the writer says, it's gibberish. Karate's. I made it up. Uh, it, it, looked, it looked cool. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm, I can, I'm, I'm, I'm reaching it, but it looked cool when they were doing it on the beach. And they were like, well, we got to incorporate this into the end fight somehow. Yeah, it's, it's, one, it's, it's one of those weird things. I get the need for there to be something. There always is yeah. something. And as you might, if you've listened to any of our other podcasts, you will know that George and I have watched our fair share of um, martial arts movies. There has to be something there, whether it's the one-inch punch or it's the fact that the guy has Sexy this. Sexy splits. Or, Sexy splits, or Van Damme's always got something up his sleeve, or he's maybe his is pantaloons. he going to do this? Is he going to do the splits? Maybe not now, but at some point he will, and that'll be a finishing move, or it's something. And in this, it's the fact that Daniel is injured, and it's the perfect time. To, it's kind of like a Q branch reverse engineered Bond gadget. It's like so. There's this crane kick, right? And if you like completely fucked your ankle, it would be really useful. <laughs> Guess what? Um, no, but I mean, talking about it, it visually, it's impressive. And it is a, um, I don't know, the, I can't remember the technical term for it. It's called a few different things in a few different martial arts. But it's the fact that it's the kind of, from in footy terms, it's like the half volley, you know. Yeah. It's like a half volley kick. So you're building a momentum by, by raising the other leg first. It's visually impressive. But you know, the thing that stuck out to me, this, I don't know if you want to talk, continue talking about the bogus crane kick but the ending it ends so quickly it's a fact just just on that, Miyagi's face 
just smiling like I knew this I knew this is exactly how it was going to end up that really reminded me of Rocky the fact that it's kind of like there's just the thing yeah yes, ends on freeze frame and then freeze frame so that that was that, that was like there's got to be a connection here with Rocky I need to talk to George about this maybe over a podcast episode but um the thing that stuck out to me this time is the fact that it's Johnny Johnny takes the obviously I'm in love with Johnny now but I mean like Johnny takes the uh, the trophy and he gives it to him and then there's this rapid fire bit of uh, dialogue where he says to um he says Daniel. To Daniel he says he says um you know you're all right that was that was a great fight yeah, you know, and it's like there's so much respect the fact that he takes he's the one who gives him the trophy and he's like you know you're you're okay it's almost and like again, that's I, his, again, that's his arc probably that's probably his arc. probably missed that first time around because oh, as absolutely. you say it's so he's a, he, he was he was a he's he, he's a shit you know yeah it's like shut up Johnny it almost looks ad libbed it almost looks as yeah. if his stage direction was yeah. Johnny hands. But, you know, but Daniel he, he has that, he's like no I'm going to say something you know but he has that moment of redemption because Creasy's like sweep the leg and he's like but but sensei that's like that's that'd be illegal i'll get yeah, i'll get, uh, I'll get yeah. disqualified yeah, yeah no, no and they, they they retouch on that brilliantly um you know later yeah. on um but can i shock you there is actually an, an alternative ending so what you know as we talked about in bill and ted uh was it in bill and ted or um we have talked about alternative endings but no we were talking about film novelizations that like reveal deleted scenes because they're based on earlier scripts i think that came up in goldeneye as well goldeneye in the novel there's a scene following the bit when daniel wins a tournament Uh, the story goes on and there's a battle between miyagi and creasy in the parking lot uh, Which is only picked up in the third film. Second one. So it's it's the opening of the second one. And what I haven't been able to determine whether it was actually shot originally and then kept and then like, no, no, let's just finish it on the time. Definitely not. Moment. And then let's... You want to know why? Because they, they look different. Hair. Hair. Watch it again. Watch it again. The, yeah, I mean... Um... What's he called? Martin Cove's hair. The difference between his hair in the first film, yeah, the second film where they have this fight in the car park straight afterwards, and then the third film, which is supposed to be in the same timeline, three different hairstyles. Actually, what it goes from is the first film, he has a certain haircut, and in the third film, they get it right again. But in the second film that you're talking about, it's basically the punching the windows where he fucks his knuckles. Yeah. Yeah. And he smashes the trophy of joint. Yeah, yeah. In that scene, his hair is fucking enormous. He's like uh, this okay. massive Boof. Tom Selleck sort of booth thing going on. It's like I am, f- I'm completely in love with the eighties and all the hairstyles it offers. I, I've, he's he's seriously going to hairspray, and yeah, and then it goes back to normal. His hair calms down. But like, I'll have, to, I'll have to check it out. Um, but but maybe they, uh, but, but whether they did actually film it and then, but then they could have. But they what, why they would have reshot it, but I don't know. It, it makes sense. This the, the weird thing about that scene that you're talking about is it crops up in both the second and the third film, but there's no allusion to it in the first. Because yeah. the first ends. Yes. Uh, maybe maybe you're right. I, sorry, were you talking about the, the would they did they actually film a fight between well, well, Miyagi? Well, that's it. Well, I don't know because it's in the original script. Was it written or was it actually? Yeah, it was. It was, because... it was. It was written, and then obviously it crops up in the second one. But what I'm saying is, did they just take that footage? But you're saying because of his hair, it's obviously not the case. I'm just just look at the boof. Like the boof, boof don't lie.
one final thing in apparently the crane kick would be a disqualifying kick so it would in you know truth and i think they pick it up in cobra kai it's like it was an illegal kick yeah yeah i mean you've got to have one foot on the floor no no i I don't think you can kick you can get behind i think it was the same when we did taekwondo you can hit behind the head but you're not allowed to kick in the face yeah, you know, I came face and you can, you can, t- it was the top of the head. We were told we could tap the, it was this weird thing that if you were in midair, you get an extra point. And if you hit the head, you hit two. So if you literally start a fight and you jump and just tap the guy in the head, you've got three points yeah. off the mark. But, but, but not the face, not the face. Well, no, that was seen as being aggressive. Right. So shall we get into some alternative casting? Please do. So I think it's time to release Jeff Goldblum and Celine Dion. Your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. So coulda, woulda, shoulda is when George, typically, I occasionally pipe up now and then, but uh, George lets us know about all of the actors, uh, sometimes directors, but mostly actors that were considered for the roles, were tapped up for the roles, agents were contacted, but they were never actually given the roles. Uh, Or sometimes they they were cast and then fired. (laughs) Exactly. So Eric Stoltz, bet you wish you were in Back to the Future now, buddy. Um, So (laughs) who have we got for this film, George? Everyone. (laughs) <laughs> in the way- Everyone! Yeah. I'm getting Gary Oldman from uh, Leon. Um, so for Daniel, we had on the casting, and the, again, it's in this Sports Illustrated article. They've actually got photos of the, the casting considerations list of, of the you know who they want. So for Daniel, there was Robert Downey Jr., Charlie Sheen, Emilio Estevez, Nicolas Cage, uh, Anthony Edwards, uh, so Goose from from Top Gun and ER, and none other than you. You mentioned him, Eric Stoltz. Just stop trying to make Eric Stoltz happen, okay? He's good. He's good in that uh, that gangster film set in Paris. To be fair, Killing Zoe. That's the one. Yeah. yeah. So for Johnny, again, another Back to the Future link. Uh, apparently, Crispin Glover. So George McFly. You know the weir- weirdo Crispin Glover. He was considered. <gasps> He's not uh, enough. He's not enough things. I think it's just because he's too freaking weird. Um, yeah, I want more. I want to see more of him because he's weird. Just as long as he's distanced from me by a television. But also, apparently, Johnny uh, Charlie Sheen was was considered for the role of Johnny as well, which makes sense. It should have been around the time of Platoon, wouldn't it? I think Platoon was maybe. Or was it a maybe, bit later? Maybe a bit later. That, damn, that film, that film still looks good. Platoon is still, still beautifully shot. Anyway, we'll cover that at some point. For Ali, Helen, Helen Hunt uh, and, <laughs> uh, and Demi Moore were, were considered. Or I don't know if, I think they may have even auditioned. For Miyagi, as uh, two really interesting ones. So I've heard about one of them. So the first one uh, was uh, Toshiro. Mifune, so he was um oh this was the serious one this was the guy who couldn't speak english that you mentioned earlier yeah so he's a v- very famous japanese actor he was in loads of my favorite uh, my dissertation at subject of choice oh Akira- those films you watched at uni the five hour fucking yeah akira kurosawa's uh, yes yeah. so akira kurosawa's sort of go-to man so he was in Rashomon, uh seven samurai uh the hidden fortress and uh yojimbo which would be remade as uh, Fistful of Dollars. Um, I like Yojimbo, or is it the Seven Samurai? I did like one of them. 
I thought so, one of them was really good. The black and white. Well, they were black and white. They were all black and white, or most of them. Yeah. Ran's in colour. He's not in Ran, though. That's I don't like Ran. Ran. Something about it being five hours. Five hours long. <laughs> it's not Shakespeare. You'll love it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, apparently, yeah, um, Jerry Weintraub wanted him, but he was too serious and couldn't speak a word of English. But the other choice... That I know about list. this one. Oh my god! I want I, this is my spinoff. <laughs> I want the girl with the green eyes, James Hong. No, but the one I'm talking about. I'm talking about one of our other favourites. Sorry, you just talk about James Hong, and I'll surprise you when you finish talking about. James so, is this what is this for? Um, for Miyagi? Maybe I'm getting confused. I just know that. Wax on. No, no. Oh, wax off. He no. was considered for a role. He was. No, no, I'm getting to that. I'm getting to that. So, okay, yeah. okay. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. So, so tell me about James Holmes. So, so our favourite, Mr. David Lopan from... Who has been in more films than anyone else on planet Earth ever. There's something like nine, 900 appearances. Uh, yeah. or... 200 films, 900, something 900 or whatever appearances, yeah. But yeah, so our, we love James Hong. And if you listen to our Big Trouble in Latin China episode, you'll get a lot of James Hong love there. So apparently he was Indeed. considered. Indeed. <laughs> but for Creasy, uh, again, it's, it's a bit of a who's who. And you can see all of them would be brilliant. Well, some of them would be brilliant. So you've got <laughs> Kurt Russell, great hair. Yes. Jeff Bridges. Also, uh, yes. Harvey Keitel, again, I could see Also, that. yes. Um, Leonard Nimoy. This is the one that stuck out to me. What and finally, Christopher Walken. Johnny. Cobra. Yeah. <laughs> we kind of have no... Mercy. Sweep <laughs> the leg, Johnny. As is well known, George and I would put Christopher Walken in pretty much any film. Yep. I, any, any role, any film. Just let's see what it would be like with Christopher Walken. Uh, now, yes. I mean, that shows what hot property this was. And yes, uh, there was some talk on the cast that this wasn't going to be a big film. It's going to be a kid's film. Let's not take it seriously. The direct, This goes to show, you know, when the director has a vision, it's like, no, this is really going to be something. And I've made Rocky, for fuck's sake. Yeah, I know I've what I'm Rocky. doing. I know what, I know I'm, what doing. I'm doing. And he basically, obviously, maybe unintentionally set out to do, let's do a more accessible Rocky for a younger generation. It's yeah. more reflective of similar values talking about there are some there is some discussion of society going on yes it's the karate kid and yes i'm saying that about the karate kid but there are some there are no, some no i say it's you know it's, it's about class it's about race because obviously there's the whole thing of you know I the aryan race versus the, the, the yeah. new jersey big massive yeah, and there's obviously the whole thing with uh, miyagi being you know in the, the japanese internment camps and we need to give a shout out about that because I didn't know about this until going back and watching this film that this regiment, so these were Japanese American citizens who were put in internment when the war was going on. Yeah, after Pearl Harbor uh, because they thought they might be saboteurs, even though they were... Potential enemy. Potential yeah. enemy. You might have family over there, whatever. And they formed a regiment that went on to fight and won, so I think, the most highly, highly decor- highest decorated uh, like regiment in the US the army. Most- that's a pretty big claim of fame. So, yeah. fair, fair play. Go, Again, a bit, bit, bit of a history lesson. And uh, Miyagi pulls it off. You know, we've already talked about this earlier in the episode, but he definitely pulls that off. And I think, yeah, we'll get into it. I think that's the only thing that's real. And I know they sort of work around it, but I think that's the one thing that's missing from Cobra Kai is, is that 
I don't know that that heart that like he that that genuine warmth. I mean, I know they I say they they do it in different ways and they work around it because obviously Pat Morita died. I think uh, in, in like two thousand about maybe about five six years ago. That's I mean, from but, old age. I mean, he's the old man thirty years ago. No, so. no, but Charlie, the ironic thing is, is that he did he dye his hair? Was he no, like no, 50? no? Ralph Macchio <laughs> is is. Is now in Cobra Kai is older than Pat Morita was when he was playing Miyagi. He does look very young, Ralph. Ralph Macho. It was any other coulda woulda shouldas? No, no, no. That I mean, I say that just, uh, just that, to that's, be that's quite a juicy coulda woulda shoulda. I think we haven't just, had that just, extensive. Just to be serious for a moment, like we made a lot of jokes there about our, on one of our favorite actors of all time, which is Christopher Walken, but. That would have been a different film. And I'm sorry, he would have killed it. He would have been an amazing um, crease. He would have been terrifying. Yeah, really he? sinister. And and I just think he, the film would have been more about him. He's too, he probably got considered for it and whether his agent made the decision or he didn't get the part or he said no, it was for the right reasons. Because well, Charlie at if the you time, put Christopher Walken in that role, well, you see, he was probably you reading know. a script for A View to a Cool. <laughs> so you want me? So you want me to be David Bowie? Yeah. <laughs> I'm happiest <laughs> in the saddle. Yeah. So I think um, you know hindsight is twenty twenty and all that. But as much as we love Orkin, and I would love to see him in this film, this he he would have been a good John Kreese. But well, it's, uh, it's, it's the same as Kurt Russell. Would, but yeah, yeah. I mean Kurt Russell, but also he would steal the show. Russell, you can't put Kurt Russell age, in in such a minor role. The level of attractiveness of his hair when he was that age in 84, it was off the scale. It was dangerous for cinemas. Can you imagine young women going in a cinema and seeing Kurt Russell's hair, you know, next but to Ralph Macho? It's dangerous. Charlie, imagine Kurt Russell and James Hong in this film. <laughs> I mean, Are you trying to, well, just make, just make a Big Trouble, just make a, a, a mix-up between Big Trouble Little China and The Karate Kid. Just make would, it happen. Would watch, would watch. So we don't need to do suspicious spin-offs in this episode because it's kind of already been done and I do apologize for referring to it so much but the only reason I've been referring to it is for two reasons. One, it's kind of the reason George and I are covering The Karate Kid right now being 2020, being the year that 2020 has been. Cobra Kai is hot shit. It's out. It's the first two seasons are up on Netflix. George and I have kind of waited to watch it. We've both watched the first season, and that's what we're going to be focusing our conversation on about uh, just now. So if you haven't seen Cobra Kai, uh, we hope you enjoyed the episode. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> Bye. No, but seriously, we are going to be talking about some serious spoilers of the first season of Cobra Kai. So if you've seen the first season, nothing to worry about. If you're still ready to waiting to pull the trigger on that mofo go and watch it and then come back to wherever we are right now so george cobra kai i think most people will have seen it because well in in america anyway because apparently it was the most watched series ever on netflix so apparently in in one during one week the show's 20 episodes drew nearly 2.2 billion streaming minutes in the united states wow that's a okay. lot of that's a lot of minutes. But um, originally, it wasn't a Netflix. It wasn't a Netflix joint. So it was actually no. This is, it came from Sony and YouTube, wasn't it? Yeah. So it was originally released on YouTube Red, now known as YouTube Premium, because probably YouTube Red sounds a bit. Please, like porn. please give us, please <laughs> give us some money. 
Google. Please, please pay for YouTube. Um, so yeah, it, the first two series were on uh, YouTube Red between 2018 and 2019. <laughs> then in June of this year, in June 2020, Netflix acquired the series and we're producing the third season, which is coming out in January next year. But before that's even out, I think because it's been so, the downloads have been so successful for the first two seasons that a fourth season has been greenlit. So that was a greenlit uh, this month. Yeah. So yes, it's crazy popular on on Netflix, and it just shows the as big as YouTube is that you know the power of Netflix because there's so many people signed up to Netflix that people have gone crazy, even though the show's you know a couple of years old. I think what that highlights is streaming fatigue. I mean, like we're all we're all willing to pay Disney reluctantly. I think we would all admit is that okay. So I've got Netflix. Yeah, I'm paying like seven, eight, nine, ten, whatever, a tenner a month for Netflix. Okay, and I'm paying. Um, the a similar or slightly less amount for Prime, but I'm also getting free home delivery. Cool. Disney, right? Well, I've got the whole back catalogue of everything that Disney owns now. Okay, I'll take that. Um, so we're kind of up to the hill. We're almost at the 30 quid. We're almost up to that scandalous price yeah. our parents used to pay for Sky. Yeah. You know, we're almost up to the 30 quid a month bollocks uh, for, for, for being able to watch TV at home. Yeah. Um, 30 quid a month. So... Yeah, YouTube, can we have some money? I'm sorry, you're the biggest advertising giant. You own the internet, you own search, you own advertising, and you want us to pay a supplemental fee to watch YouTube, and you want to, to not have adverts. Nobody went for it. Nobody's going for YouTube music. Nobody's going for YouTube um, videos. Yeah. And so luckily, Netflix have said, look, you know, put it on ours. You'll still get some money and people get to watch it. And then suddenly it's taken off. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on, I mean, not, I mean, specifically about the, the streaming fiasco, the fact that it's jumped from YouTube to Netflix. What do you think that says about YouTube? I think they're going to do a Google plus on, on many aspects of trying to make people pay for YouTube. In what, in what way? Sorry. It, they, I think they'll give up. They retired Google plus. They just gave up. They were just like, Facebook's too big. Twitter's there. There's Instagram. We're not going to try and be a full the, player. The, in this. the thing is, it's like anything. It's like you're down to the strength of your content. As you've always said, Charlie, content is king. I can't remember any other shows that YouTube Red had, but... This is the only one that got the mention. That shows yeah. how good the show was, and it answers your question about the quality of the content. Have you got good enough content? And it, they had the content, and, and, it got, and it made noise... But it didn't create subscriptions. Well, that's it. And so, you know, but you need more than that because you can't just put all your, your chips on one show. I mean, you think about even look at Apple Plus, like Apple Plus, they are struggling to justify themselves. They're like, oh, yeah, but we've got Jennifer Aniston and Steve Carell. We've got a, a Tom Hanks film. Uh, and they've, they've got some decent people, but I don't think it's enough at this late in the game where it's like, well but it's still not Netflix. Or it's still not prime where they they're established. They've worked the way, you know, if you think about when Netflix and Amazon first started out, they had maybe one or two shows that they had exclusive, but now they've gotten so big, they're producing proper blockbusters. Now it's not. Well, like, yeah. They are producing blockbusters. They've done amazing documentaries for the last few years. And then they just got smart. You know, they started sharking about and, and picking up the ones that were not, that before they went to DVD and said, let's get on streaming. So the straight to video market has been taken by straight to streaming. And then obviously we've been going through this COVID thing and there's been some films that have been pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. And yes, yeah, some studios have 
made a deal. Yeah. You know, they said, yeah, no, this needs to go out. And they've, they've made the money. The film needs to go out. They need to get the money back from the, you know, it's been produced. Yeah. They need to get that money back somehow. And Netflix provides a model for that. Well, it's the same with, um, with D- Disney. I think I read something or somebody sent something to me. I think Disney have, they've either made 2.5 billion or yeah, from Disney plus this year alone. Like, so they've all, or, or they've got, yeah. So it's just ridiculous. Well, they did this thing with Mulan where they made it a uh, pay-per-view and they're doing no, but- that and now they're, they're all going to copy that. Well, that's it. They've they've just released the same. They're going to put a focus on streaming because you know it's. I say there's there's no outlets to you know you're not having to pay distribution and what have you. It's all it's all done. But anyway, we're well, getting away from Cobra Kai. So Cobra Kai is it is a is what as I we talked about previously. It's a suspicious spinoff. You know, it's and it's brilliantly done. If you, I'm trying to think of some. I can't think of a comparison. I can't. I can't think. Because we've we've been around this trip before, George. I mean, our entire podcast is based on the fact and that nostalgia. George and I... <laughs> well, no, no, but you and I are being nostalgic. We're going back and checking out the films of our youth because Hollywood seems to keep picking them up and seeing them as yeah. viable movie assets. And we're like, okay, well, let's go back and have a look at these films because, you know, Terminator films are still being made. Rocky franchises are still being Predator. made. Predator films are still being made. Billing Star Ted. Wars... Star Wars, hello, some, some kids yeah. think Star Wars is new to them. You know, it's like, okay, you know, um, it's great to see it done well. I think that's, that's what I want to go out and say. And I don't know about the same as you, because we could have watched this. We could have hunted this down. And like me, you probably heard loads of people saying the same thing about Cobra Kai. It's good. It's good. Yeah. It's good. No one was saying you've got to see it. It's amazing, which some shows can annoyingly, and I'm, I'm looking at you, Game of Thrones, a lot, some shows can get that reaction from their fans or like, what do you mean you're not watching the yeah. show? How can you get, whereas the, the feedback on Cobra Kai was like, no, 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 it's, it's actually good. And so, yeah, I only got into this recently and I just, they're how long, they're, they're quite short episodes. I think yeah, it's like 20, 25 binging. Minutes. 25 yeah. minutes and yeah I because George is like um, you know we're going to be doing Karate Kid uh, we did, we agreed we're going to do Karate Kid as the next episode you're going to have to check out Cobra Kai and behold 10 days later I'd watch the whole thing I, I just I got totally taken up and it reminded me what I was saying in the beginning of this episode when we're talking about Karate Kid is that this film meant more to me uh, than I realized because of the um, more about the characters and how they were defined and that you care so much about them that I am. Um, and obviously it's because the age I'm at and this is part of the target is that uh, I am very interested to see using what, what these characters are doing. If you apply the same characters 30 years later, I mean, it's a big hook. Yeah. Well, no, if you think about it, it's, it's like clever. And it, it kind of, I think it has kind of been done elsewhere, but not as a TV No, we've show. seen it with Creed, funnily enough, another well, no, I was say, no, no. to the Karate Kid. That's the only thing that I could compare well, it to no. because that's been done well. No, but I was going to say, it's, it's kind of, it's more of a movie thing. It's like, okay, let's pick up with the character's sons, you know, so yeah, Creed, um, I think they're doing it with the new Ghostbusters that's been delayed. Obviously, yeah. It's oh, been, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I've seen the- Ghostbusters Afterlife, I think. Um, they've, they've done it, yeah, as you say, with The Force Awakens, with that, okay, here's, it's a legacy, handing the baton over, but there's a new, you know, new uh, characters inheriting it. And 
there's obviously very mixed feelings about the new Star Wars films and how they've been handled. And obviously we've talked about them in the past, but I think in Cobra Kai, it does it so brilliantly. As you say, it's it so- does feel a bit like Force Awakens, to be yeah. fair. Let's not talk to, in terms of the new Star Wars, I think you're making a very valid point. I think we all, most, the majority of us, it's one of the most successful uh, film openings of, of recent years. That thing, it pushed so many buttons. It actually got criticized for deliberately pushing up yeah. buttons, but that was a nostalgia fest. And that is what kind of Cobra Kai is. It's just much more subtle. Well, that's and it's it. fresh and, I- and it's new and it's well-written. Well I think there's a lot more care and attention put in, but maybe because you do have that, that smaller benefit. scale, the, uh, the smaller scale, less uh, less pressure, but also the storytelling format of being over you know multiple episodes. But there's so many great nods. The fact that they've reused footage, I, I think they've even filmed. I don't know if they've put in unused footage, but they've also filmed new f- footage to have it from different angles for the, that final battle just, in Karate Kid. Just put just my uh, glasses on here with some mm. Charlie trivia. So basically they shot the final tournament scenes from 20 different camera angles and Macho talked about this in follow-up interviews and they view some of the unused footage yes. in, um, in Cobra Kai. So it seems like, like cause you, you're the same as me, like, did they reshoot this? Did, yeah. Is this some AI software going on where they've... No, 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 they haven't. It was basically footage that we've never mm. seen. And it's, it's great because I think it's watching it... When I, when I was watching it, watching it with my wife, and um, the whole time it's just like, you don't need to have seen the cry kid it may, obviously, it, it's obviously, not necessary it adds not, something but it makes you want to it made me want to go back and that was why the thing i said to you like i was like okay i finally watched Cobra Kai. I, I definitely it made me want to start a podcast about it <laughs> <laughs> but that's it and going back it's just like oh yes it's you know you forget how good and it does instead of you know a lot of people say about these remakes and spin-offs of oh no it's you know you've ruined my childhood and i think if anything it makes the Karate Kid better. It enhances it. Yeah, it I think I think, it's the legacy. I think I think we should probably put up a, a love-in warning. It's a love-in. If George and I are waxing lyrical about how amazing the Karate Kid is, the, the, the reason for that, you point the finger squarely at Cobra Kai because we talked about doing this film. Yes, it was a big film in my youth, but... I don't know. It's it just as I say. I mentioned Point Break, the 2014 Point Break that George and I refuse to watch because apparently it's terrible. And Point Break's one of our favourite films, so we're not going to do that film injustice of of that. Life's this is short. doing it. This is doing it right. Yeah. This is doing it right. And as we just said, Chronic Kid was good and it was a success at the time, and we forgot about it. But this series has put it as blown the franchise up it's like wow it's like what a franchise seeing it from the other side and i think we should talk about that the fact that yes the storytelling as well that the narrative is good but in a way they've they've kind of created their own story like well what's johnny's story 30 years later and just from starting with that it's like what if the roles were reversed what if everything's different and i think they handle it very well um, you could argue that the season one of Karate Kid is quite predictable, but it's not. It's actually quite cute how it ends up being his son and it ends up being a tournament and he just happens to be at the tournament. Uh, no, but that's it. It's, I think it's very clever at playing. It it does lots of bluffs and double bluffs of playing with your expectation because you've got the whole... There's loads of in-jokes in there and I think that's why it works. It's, it's, a, it's definitely... 
smarter and funnier than Karate Kid is because it's it's that self-awareness of it knows how cheesy and ridiculous Karate Kid is in terms of the when he's uh, Miguel's cleaning the glass he's like Master is anywhere you want me to clean clean the glasses he's like I don't give a shit and instead yeah. of you know, the wax on and it's similar to the the Casino Royale you know shaken or stirred does it look like I give a damn it's that playing that with brings the, it up today it brings it up today and it's, that, it's playing with that conventions but at the same time it's like and it's the whole bit when uh, Robbie again we're jumping to the end but when Robbie's injured and Daniel starts doing the hand rubbing thing you're like oh he's going to do it and then he's like no medic medic and it's it's, it's, because again in in the Karate Kid it's ridiculous that Mr. Miyagi has these magic hands that can heal you know any injury but at the time you took it for granted because it it kind of sells it but for me, the, the big thing about uh, Cobra Kai is, um, is Billy Zabko. Yeah, is the fact that what's this guy been doing for the last 30 years, you know? And also, you know, I've forgotten about the fact that he was the privileged kid. Obviously, you go back and watch uh, Karate Kid and you're reminded of it immediately. And that he came from money and that there's this, you know, this brilliant dichotomy that now Daniel's doing really well. They've taken the car business of Mr. Miyagi and he's a car dealership. It's brilliant. And then you see him, but I want more. I, the thing is I've, I've, as I say, in the, there's the, how I met your mother, you know, Johnny was the real hero, yeah. plants the seed. And now it's like blossoming. I'm just like, yeah, what is Johnny's story? Give me five seasons of Cobra Kai about, you know, turn Daniel uh, LaRusso into the bad guy if you want, wherever this season's going to go. Just give me more, Johnny, because he's, it's so interesting to see what he's done with himself and the fact that he's doing Cobra Kai. And I don't know, I, th- I think a lot of this is about nostalgia. I think, um, what's, the, what's the term they use for presidents? I am incapable of holding office on this film <laughs> because I think, I, think there's too, I think my strings have been pulled too much with this, with this series. You know, it's like... Perfect target, but I'm loving it. I'm loving yeah, but no, I mean, I, I can take a, a bit more of a critical appraisal of it. I mean, watch, as always, w- watching this, <laughs> I mean, well, it, it helped it also. Like, I watched this with my wife, and she, I was more sold on it than she was because I think I got the, more of the references, but she was just like, it's a bit teen angsty. It's a bit teen. Yeah, high school. And, She's like, why are you watching this? Is this you? You and because you had this uh, this obsession with Arrow and the Flash. <laughs> Shut She's up, like, George. Shut George, up. you you watched in my more, own time. You're watching so many teen, you know, teen series. What's but again, going on with you? But again, I suppose it's it's selling. It's you know, it's you've got you you've got to sell the nostalgia to the the older fans. But you again, it's like Star Wars. You need to bring in that younger audience. You need to make it compelling. And yes, there are some there's some atrocious acting in this. Um, I have to say. I mean, is should it, we talk about Robbie? It's Robbie. It's Robbie. <laughs> Robbie is so wooden. I mean, and. In this whole time, bless him, uh, Ralph Macchio's acting is still as bad. I mean, I think, you know, even though he was kind of a hot property in the early 80s, he's very wooden. And he he really struggles. Like, it's sort of like... I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually say that, I, yeah... I, I mean, I think, I think uh, Williams, you know, Billy Zabka, you know, as Johnny is very good. He's... He, he, can deliver some of the the, the dry one liners and stuff, and and has a bit of pathos. But I really find yes, uh, Ralph Macchio does great a bit on me. Well, there's there's a certain bit of fourth wall breaking going on because for me, I see the Daniel in uh, Karate Kid One, and he's like confident, like Macchio was at the time. Yeah. 
You know, he had everything going for him, you know, in terms of his film crew and all of that. And he was just kind of like this annoying character, but he was acting a role. And then you see him present day and I don't know, there's just, when I look at him now, he kind of, this is what happened to Ralph Macchio. And I don't mean any offense by that, apart from what I just said. But I mean, you know what I mean? It's, it, it is that thing where it's like, imagine Ralph Macchio is selling Audis now yeah. in Reseda. You know, it's, yeah. it, it is almost, that's why I'm talking oh, about yeah. this fourth, fourth wall breaking. And that, the same applies to Johnny. It's like, here's a kid who had it all and lost it. And I, it's almost like he's now doing uh, karate in, in this, in this dojo. But there's that, you know, you're talking about his winning acting. I just felt like I get to the end of season one of uh, Cobra Kai. And I'm like, if there's one thing Robbie needs to learn or improve in season two, it's his delivery. Oh. <laughs> because I, I get it. He's good. He's I'm just, got his hair. I'm just in so much angst right now. There's a lot of squinting going on. I think that she's good. And I think Miguel's, I think Miguel's brilliant, by the way. Yeah, he's very I, good. I think, he, I, think, I think he's very good of portraying, because um, they have to do two things, which is we've talked about with, um, you'll have to remind me, where it's not bad acting, he's just being awkward, which was the episode we talked about that. There's a bit of that Miguel at the beginning where he's trying to be awkward and nerdy. Yeah. And then he gets more confident. So, yeah, no, I, th- I think he's decent. And I think um, uh, Daniel, sorry, uh, what's her name? LaRusso, the daughter. I can't remember her first name. I think she's good. I think the yeah. friends are good. I like the dynamic of high school. Who doesn't like to see uh, Californian high school? Because we haven't seen it since last week. Um, you know, it's, it's always good to see it in a different flavor. But again, uh, like uh, to go back to what we were saying about Karate Kid, I think the choreography is a lot better in this. Like the, the, yes. the fight in the high school against all the bullies, I thought that was really well done. Really in slick. the canteen. Yeah, in the canteen. Yeah. No, I just, I can't, I can't, the whole thing for me, it's just about, I just, it's Johnny's story. It's like, quit! And then the yeah. fact that he's such a loser and that he's drinking beers you like at 11 a.m. You to bum, didn't you? No, I just, I, I think he adds, I get the feeling that, uh, and maybe I'm reading too much in, but if you look at like Billy Zabka as an actor and this role, what it must be for him, I think what we're seeing is, I think he's been, he's imagined playing out the role of Johnny a bit. Do you know what I mean? It just seems so prepared, like the fact that he's got this complicated thing, or maybe it's just amazing writing, the fact that he had this weird relation with Chris and that maybe he wasn't totally Cobra Kai. He was a yeah. good fighter, but he actually does want to do Dojo. He wants to do it his own way. But so, yeah, I think it's multifaceted. And yeah, I think it's predictable in some ways, but it's, it's feeding the younger crowd because it's, it's got this high school yeah. thing going on and it's got high school themes to it. But for us older people, it's giving us everything we want. You know, imagine if my dad's bigger than your dad. It's like, no, no, it's not that fight. It's yeah. you have to kick each other up while, while, while your two dads, you know, yeah. wait in the wings. I mean, no, I think, as I said to somebody, I was like, when someone was asking, oh, you know, is it worth a watch? I was like, it's, it's cheesy, it's formulaic, but it's comforting, you know, and especially right now when we need, we need escapism, we need some entertainment, you know, where we're all during this weird time of, you know, restrictions, not lockdown, they're restrictions. We need, you know, we need some light entertainment. And I think it perfectly ticks the box. And I think that's why so many people have gorged on it because it is that right It's balance. escapism. Yeah. It's why right we balance. watched these films when we, when we were younger. You know, it's the fact that... Um, there's, and they don't dwell on it too much. It's like... 
they, they keep obviously, you know, in a, in a sorry, there is, there is a line at the end of the first season when they're turning up at the, the party on the Canyon or something. And I don't know about, did you pick up on the top secret almost reference where she's trying to explain her story to Robbie and she goes, I don't know. It just sounds like some really bad soap opera. But anyway, <laughs> it's just a lot. Don't look at the camera. Done. Don't look at the camera. Sounds like a really bad movie. Um, I also think his wife puts on a good performance. I love the fact that they get back the mum. I think there's... Um, there's I'm not sure about the whole his annoying fat loser son. I think he's going to probably be written out because he kind of has been, if you know what I mean. I just don't Um, don't understand what the point is because it's sort of like, I hate dad, I I hate everything, and he's just... Oh, sorry, his son. Yeah, his so Daniel LaRusso's son, you know, the fat... The fat son who just doesn't want to do any karate, who's just a fat, yeah, waste of space. Maybe that's for season five. Maybe he's going to suddenly come into his own and be replaced by a bigger actor. Um, No, um, you know, his annoying um, cousin, I think... Hey, look! Hey. Is, is he mentioning one of the other sequels that we can't remember? I know. I think it, it, it's well, otherwise. The, why is he in it? The, I get a feeling are, like he's in the third or the second film. Maybe no, he's I, no. Because they talk about at the start when he first turns up in Karate Kid, he talks about having an uncle in you know with the the sweet old lady with the dog, the cra- crazy lady at the start. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, they yeah. mention another Larusso, um, but I think that's it. There's so many throwaway lines of dialogue or that are said by other people that reference there's loads of uh, easter egg videos on youtube that people can check out i was looking at one last night you know netflix have done them screen Rant have done them um i haven't watched too many of them because they go into detail on season two uh, so i don't want to spoil that for myself yeah and we i think we will revisit this maybe we'll do a follow-up episode where george and i will actually give uh the two or three or four sequels however many the bean maybe we'll do hillary swank and maybe we'll do hillary swank and, um, and Mom- Jaden Smith <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> do, do we have to? Bagsy's, Bagsy's on Hillary Swank. No, um, we'll try and cover these two films off. Maybe we can come back to Cobra Kai when it's uh, done and dusted because if they're already, you know, greenlighting episode four, let's just hope Se- they season don't go. Season four. Season four, let's just hope they don't go beyond season five because as we know, no good show ever went beyond season five. Looking at you, Simpsons. Um, no, no. Simpsons, were, were, it was after, I think, season... 24 nine, or something. Nine or ten, the wheels started coming. What do we say? We, we, yeah, we said between seven and 14. Anyway, that's, yeah. save that for the Simpsons podcast. Anything else you want to say about Cobra Kai? I think I've completed my love-in. I, I don't know. I'm just, I think half of this is nostalgia and half of this is actually an okay show. But it's, yeah. I'm very much Target. So. Well, that's it. You know, I, th- I think it's... It, it's not Shakespeare, but uh, it's it's a lot of fun. Shakespeare, Shakespeare, Spear shaker, it's racist. <laughs> <laughs> so well, that's our Halloween special. That's our Halloween episode. We didn't even talk about the very short, tenuous Halloween scene in Karate Kid. But yes, that's uh, this is our our October episode. Uh, who knows what we've got in line for November? Because yeah, our our schedule is always changing. Pretty much like do- the government's COVID uh, restrictions. But, um, yeah, I'm glad you said restrictions because not some people have no, no, no. Some people have been attaching a ridiculous word of guidelines. It's Gu- like guidelines. These aren't guidelines. Guidelines suggest that people know what they're talking about. Yeah. So it's it's uh, pretty fucked up right now. But George and I are still here, whether you like it or not. But you and- did download this episode, so it's your own fault. 
Yeah, but but we hope uh, you're safe, you're well. Thank you for for downloading this. Uh, Please continue downloading. By the way, yes, uh, for, you know we're on uh, social media as well. So uh, we we share stuff on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and we've got our blog, RetroRamble.blog. Obviously, most importantly, George. Not only do we have our blog, but we have a new. Website. A revamped. It's currently under construction. It's 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 accessible, but there might be a few glitches in the matrix. It works perfectly as long <laughs> as you don't go back further than the last four posts. Um, who's interested in going back and looking back at the past? Yeah. Anyway, the, the, so that be, was retro ramble. <laughs> but there'll be reviews, uh, news, memes, and stuff like that. On no, we're going to be we're going to be adding new stuff. We're going to be adding you the option to get hold of some content that other people don't get if you sign up for free. Uh, but just to see who our followers are, you know, we can try and create a safe space where you can talk about the eighties and reminisce on Nicolas Cage. Christopher Walken Ralph Macho's uh, hair yeah his skinniness his frailty and then his newfound buffness at the age of 57 so that was the Karate Kid with a special caveat of Cobra Kai because it's kind of the reason we're covering it we're not going to reveal what we're covering next that will be revealed at a later date I guess it will be yeah we're still not sure but thank you for uh, downloading this episode uh, this has been the a revisit of 1984's uh, The Karate Kid uh, I've been Charlie McGee I've been George McGee and we'll see you next time thank you very much bye bye thank you bye bye